Welcome to Fresh Take, your favorite weekly podcast that delivers a healthy dose of information pertaining to healthy lifestyles, organic and sustainable agriculture, and numerous topics related to the environment. Thanks for tuning in. Our industry experts are here to provide you with a fresh take on topics that can help you optimize your lifestyle and well-being. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Fresh Take. In today's episode, we'll be talking to Dr. Catherine Campbell. She's an assistant professor of community food systems in the University of Florida's Family, Youth, and Community Sciences. And today, we're also going to be talking about local food systems and specifically urban agriculture. Welcome, Catherine. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Well, thank you for joining us. Whenever we have a guest, we typically start finding a little bit about their background, what it is that they do, and perhaps maybe what motivated them to get into their field. Yeah, great. So my focus now is community food systems. And um, I came to my work in community food systems originally through ethics and studies of human behavior. And I was particularly interested in the ethics and justice in the food system. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to pursue another degree in public health uh, with a focus on social and behavioral sciences, also looking at how people intersect with the food system, um, mm -hmm. how it really serves as the linchpin for health across the food system from you know, the health of our farm workers to the health of our communities via food access um, or food security. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, that's how I landed where I am now. And, and that is part of um, what my interest in urban agriculture and community food systems is really has to do with those um, social justice and ethics Mm -hmm. elements and how they relate to individual and community health. So, and, and a lot of your work is um, looking at trying to understand how urban food production in Florida is all about, correct? And perhaps, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, there's really no official definition of what urban farming or urban agriculture is. And so in that sense, we have to sort of rely on some of the um, other definitions um, that people use, including the USDA, to sort of describe what urban farming is all about. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. There, there really isn't a standard definition, and you know, people use different definitions depending on field of study, um, region in the world. So, you know, geographers may have one kind of definition, where um, you know, someone in horticultural sciences might use a different definition. And part of the difficulty really stems from the wide array of activities that mm -hmm. sort of fall under that umbrella of urban agriculture. And so in my work, I try to use an expansive definition so mm -hmm. as not to exclude some of the phenomena that's of interest. But, you know, I think the real work in my role as a researcher is to just clarify all the different manifestations of urban agriculture and, and how they fit together in community food systems. So that means that when we're talking about, especially in your work, urban farms, urban agriculture, we're not just talking about the practices, uh, not just the production, but also, you know, the distribution, the marketing of those food products, and even the consumers and, you know, who are, you know, the people that maybe are um, buying from these urban farms or, or consuming these products, 
right? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. So I, I normally say it as you know, food production in urban or peri-urban areas, mm-hmm. so around urban areas. Um, and so that can be commercial, it can be non-commercial, um, mm-hmm. so like a nonprofit, or it could be a sort of hybrid operation where they may have a nonprofit side, but also do some sales to support their nonprofit. Um, and you get everything from home gardens, community gardens, institutional gardens, you know, farming on vacant lots. And so you have all of these different array of activities and how they intersect with communities and individuals to increase you know, food access within the community. Mm-hmm. One of the things that is interesting in our job here at Ford Organic Growers, um, we run into a lot of people asking us you know, various questions. It's interesting because maybe a lot of people don't realize that you know, agriculture is the second largest industry in the state. And because of the size of our state and how many people, which I believe it's close to 87% live in cities, I would imagine that in your you know, work, you're basically working with a lot of farmers, a lot of people that are farming in, in the city and, and, and run urban farms. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you, you hit it dead on. We, we are a historically and still currently agricultural state, but we are rapidly urbanizing. Currently, 44 of 67 counties are classified as urban by the USDA and the Census Bureau. Pretty much the entire state, except some pieces of the panhandle, are now considered to be uh, urban, metropolitan or micropolitan areas. Mm -hmm. And part of what that definition picks up on is not just urban in the sense of, say, downtown Orlando, where that area is urbanized, but the relationship that that urban space and that urban population has to the surrounding areas where in in the case of urban agriculture and in my interest in food systems you have farms that aren't in the urban downtown area but they are intrinsically tied to that area because that's where their market is and that's mm-hmm. where they grow food to sell to mm-hmm. and so while you know the farm may not itself be urban it's intrinsically tied to that urban space. And so that's what we're seeing more and more in Florida, particularly as our cities are expanding out into what used to just be rural farmland. Um, You're starting to see that sort of interplay between those populations, both, you know, socially and economically. So in in terms of size, um, that's another thing that sometimes when, you know, uh, we use terms like small farms and things like that, we're not always talking about, or at least under the uh, USDA definition of size in terms of acreage. Because when one pictures, at least I think people picture an urban farm, well, it may not necessarily look like the farms that you would see out in the country with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of acres in terms of size. But by the USDA, uh, small farms is defined as a operation that makes less than $250,000 in sales per year. Right. Yeah. So what's interesting in the context of urban agriculture is, you know, many of these farms are incredibly small, both in terms of their land, the size of their operation just Mm -hmm. in land, uh, as well as in the, you know, profit or net profits that they're making. So, for example, a a research project that we just did, uh, we found that almost 40% of farms are operating at less than an acre 
uh, urban farms. Wow. Um, and 10% of them are farming on less than 500 square feet, just to give you an idea of mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. how small we're talking about. Wow. That is, that is pretty small, but it's also quite impressive what even at that size, a lot of the farmers are able to produce year round. Uh, it's pretty intensive uh, in some cases. They're using various, various methods, not always greenhouses or protected structures. It's one thing to be practicing urban farming in New York, you know, where it gets very, very cold when, you know, you're doing it in Florida, where our season perhaps is longer in many places. If the heat doesn't get you, all the water might, you know, and rains and things like that. But so there's a difference between the location sometimes, of course, but it is intensive in many cases. Yeah, that's right. And the thing that we heard in our interviews with urban farmers is that they really are looking to diversify as much as they can um, and get as much productivity and money out of the land in their scale of their operation. You know, many of them even expressed a desire not to get larger when we sort of asked what their goals were. One of their goals wasn't to get larger per se, but to potentially diversify either, you know, their production systems, the things they're producing, their market channels um, to sort of really, you know, intensely utilize the space that they have available. And particularly, they're very focused on doing that in a sustainable way. Mm -hmm. Um, That's an important motivation that they have is, you know, using sustainable production practices, having a sort of closed loop where they're, you know, composting and using, you know, their own inputs into their operations and really trying to limit the harm that they're doing to the environment in order to bring healthy food to their communities. So is this a research that is it's currently going on? Um, your research is looking at many things, I'm sure, but it is something that you're currently conducting research on. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. We've been working now for about 18 months on a research project specifically focused on uh, urban agriculture in Florida, mm-hmm. on the future of urban agriculture in Florida. And we're trying to sort of characterize the status of urban agriculture and what the key needs, opportunities, and barriers are. Um, There's been a lot of research in the Northeast United States and in California, but there really hasn't been a lot of research on um, what's going on in the Southeast. And as you mentioned, our climate is different. And so, you know, there, there was a need to sort of look at how we're doing, how we're growing urban agriculture in Florida mm-hmm. um, and sort of see what that is and then find out, you know, how University of Florida, both research and extension can help support our urban farmers and communities um, by connecting consumers with urban farmers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Here at Florida Organic Growers, you know, as I was saying earlier, we're constantly getting calls from farmers and consumers, some of their questions are very technical questions. We, um, with our staff, can sometimes answer a lot of the questions. Um, you know, our main goal is to provide uh, assistance for people that are looking answers to questions, um, especially as it relates to organic farming. In fact, um, years ago, we ran a project, uh, a project that was called the Gainesville Initiative for Tasty Gardens, Gift Gardens where we help uh, our local community 
by building raised beds, teaching them about how to grow, you know, vegetables in their backyard and that sort of thing. So it's, it's always been sort of part of our work to help people understand that this is something that they can do. And, and even, even if it's just a hobby, but for people who maybe are looking, you know, as a business, that there are opportunities out there and that there are people like you, um, which is what we always try to do is connect with the researchers, the professionals, the people who know about these things. So they can also find answers about what it is that they, they're intending to do. What are some of the potential that urban farming has currently, or maybe some of the challenges that you see? I think sort of the key barriers and opportunities for urban farming in Florida are kind of two sides of the same coin in a way, um, because one of the main difficulties that urban farmers have has to do with you know, land development, um, zoning, the price of land. Um, and so it's increasingly difficult due to development and urbanization for them to have be able to afford land to farm on um, because so much of it's being developed into subdivisions. Um, and then corollary to that is that those uh, that land that used to be zoned for agriculture is now becoming zoned where you can't do agriculture anymore. Um, and so for existing farms, um, because of the Right to Farm Act, they are protected and can continue operating. And so one of the things that we're seeing is that farms that used to be rural farms because of development are becoming urban farms. Mm-hmm. Even they're the same operation, but it's sort of like the cities are developing around them. And so there, there are some friction there potentially where people are moving into a subdivision that's right next to a working farm and they don't realize what it means to live next door to a working farm. And so that's, that's an opportunity for um, us at University of Florida, as well as for Florida organic growers and other organizations working with farms to really help educate the public on the importance of agriculture, the importance of local agriculture, um, so that they can sort of have an understanding of why it's important to have those farms uh, within their communities for sustaining food access uh, in times of crisis, as we saw with the COVID-19 pandemic and Uh, supply chain disruptions. mm -hmm. Um, And so that's where I see sort of that there's this friction a little bit, not necessarily negative, but where you know, with urbanization, we're seeing the value of urban farming, but it also requires educating some urban audiences that may not really have any knowledge of agriculture, right? They've always gotten their food at Publix and that's where it comes from. You know, they don't, they don't, they don't realize, you know, the importance of farms and farmers. The urban farmers that we talk to, many of them, like their most primary goal is to increase food access and food security for their communities. Their second most goal, which is almost tied with the first, I'm sharing some preliminary survey results with you here, um, are increasing environmental sustainability. And then right behind that is making a profit. And so, you know, we asked them what their top three goals were. um, And of all of the survey respondents, more than 50% picked one of those as one of their top three goals. So some of the other difficulties that they're having is, um, and a lot of this sort of, I think 
runs alongside, you know, the farming in general, not just urban farming, but it's having access to labor, access to capital, you know, running a profitable farm, dealing with um, laws and regulations, and then all the normal, all the normal things with farming, like pest management and crop management Mm -hmm. um, and food safety. So, you know, those are some of the barriers, but I think there are so many opportunities to increase urban farming, whether it's more operations or diversifying, as I discussed Mm -hmm. before. Um, I think there are a lot of opportunities for them to help support their communities and for their communities in turn to support them. That is really interesting. And and we really appreciate you, you know, sharing the uh, sort of results (laughs) uh, (laughs) uh, of of your research as you continue to talk to farmers and consumers. It, It is something that here at, you know, FOG, we've over the years, have noticed uh, about farmers and and that a lot of the farmers that we talk to, and I think your research actually shows it, is that they're, you know, involved in agriculture, which, or, or farming, which is a business to them, and it is something that they take seriously. But a lot of those farmers are really looking to make a difference. Yeah. You know, you're talking about food access, food security. So, they're really, really interested in making sure that they provide that food access and food security to especially people who don't have it uh, in, in many cases. And, and I think uh, urban you know, farms kind of lend themselves to um, really address those, those problems in many cases. And of course, sustainability, which I think you also mentioned, whether that means organic practices or other forms uh, farming that you know don't necessarily have to rely heavily on inputs and other things, and right after that, it sounds like once again, being a business is the making sure that they can be sustainable as an operation and, and have you know a profit. So right, yeah, and I think you know, you particularly see that with urban farms is just you know if all they cared about was making a profit they wouldn't probably choose to farm in an urban area. You <laughs> know, right. as I mentioned, so there are, you know, issues with zoning and land use. Mm-hmm. You have the cost of the land, you know, where they are intentionally choosing to do agriculture interwoven with the community. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's part of their motivation. You know, it's an outgrowth of you know, why why they are urban farmers is that they want to farm in a community for the community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as you continue to do the research and as you know, when you're um, finding information that, you know, you can share with the public, uh, how can people find out about your research and perhaps even how the research can be used for further research or, you know, by other people in the future? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So I have a webpage on my uh, website for the Mid-Florida Research and Education Center in Apopka. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people can can find me that way. Um, and we are currently actually building an urban agriculture uh, website as a sort of resource hub for across the food system. So from people who work in local government who might need to know something about how to zone or kinds of codes of ordinances to facilitate urban agriculture. So we'll have those kinds of policy and planning tools available as well as some practical, you know, toolkits and how-to guides um, 
for people who want to start a community garden or an urban farm, um, those kinds of things, as well as, you know, information to help consumers understand what urban farming is and how they can support their local farmers. Mm-hmm. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for, you know, talking to us today. I feel that we can invite you back and find out more about the research as it progresses. It is really very fascinating. And we thank you for the work that you do and in informing us about urban agriculture and a lot of these different topics that we discussed today. We really do thank you for being part of Fresh Steak today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was great talking with you today. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. As many of you already know, FOG is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization, which means we need your help to keep all of our content free to the public. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation today. We would really appreciate your support. 